Welcome to Insight into Teaching Intro Psychology, a McGraw-Hill informative audio series. These podcasts feature subject matter experts, instructors, and authors discussing psychology-related topics in higher education. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Insight into Teaching Intro Psych. My name is AJ LaFrera. I'm on the marketing team here at McGraw-Hill, and I'm really excited for this week's podcast because it's actually a two-parter, and we're going to start today with five things to do when teaching online, and we are joined by a friend of the podcast, Igor. Uh, you want to take a minute to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thank you, AJ. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Igor Dolgov. I'm an associate professor of psychology at New Mexico State University, and I've been teaching online for more than 10 years. Great. So more than 10 years means you've got lots of experience teaching online. You are a great person to help walk us through some things to do and not to do when teaching online and, and provide some great tips. So let's dive right in. Teaching online, what's the first thing to do when you have an online course? So number one is know your audience. And this may seem obvious, but it's very difficult to do online. So in a traditional classroom, when your students walk in on the first day, it's very easy to talk to them and figure out why they're in your class and what they want to achieve as a result of it. Online, on the other hand, this is something that is often skipped by most instructors. And so to combat that, there are two easy solutions. Um, one is to start a discussion group where students introduce themselves to the rest of the class, make sure it's structured so that they don't, so that they don't go off topic. Uh, another way, which is easier to do in a larger online class, is to set up uh, a Google form or some sort of survey so that students can input their information for you to take a look at offline and then really figure out who is in your classroom and potentially tailor your teaching to your audience and maybe scaffold additionally as a result. Okay, so now you know who your audience is. What's the second thing that you do when teaching online? Number two is taking a student-centered approach to learning objectives. And there are a number of different ways to do that, but certainly knowing your audience gets you a big part of the way there. Uh, number two is really defining learning objectives in ways that will benefit the students. And so that really means potentially working in things like communication skills and other marketable skills that they will use after they've gotten their degree and, and have joined the workforce. Another way to do that is to look at the kinds of learning objectives set forth by your department, by your school, and by the higher governing bodies of your academic discipline. And so there's quite a bit of information there about the kinds of things that will be expected of students that are graduating from your major or will be using the skills of your major. And so by really taking into account the students' needs and the guidelines set forth, by various agencies and governing bodies, you can really do a great job in, in putting together student-centered learning objectives that, that will pay off for them when they actually get a career. Great. So what is the third thing to do when teaching online? Number three is to start with a design triangle when developing your course. So for those that are unfamiliar with a design triangle, its three legs are objectives, activities and assessments. And when designing your course, it's really important to actually look at all three aspects when coming up with specific activities for your students to do and assessments that will then count towards their grade. 
by being explicit about how various activities and assessments actually meet the overall course learning objectives, instructors can help students feel like they're actually doing worthwhile things in the course. And this way, they'll actually have some ownership over their progress and really feel more motivated in engaging in the activities and assessments that instructors have provided for them. So Igor, I think that's a great one. Do you have any specific examples that people can take and implement in their classrooms that are related to this? Absolutely, AJ. Um, this is something that started for me with, with guidelines provided by the American Psychological Association for its undergraduate major. And one of the overall objectives set forth for students is communication skills, which are incredibly valuable in any career that one takes. And so I have a number of assignments and activities in my course that allow students to practice writing. And so uh, I tackle this in a scaffolded manner such that students are actually engaging in regular activities of short answer questions and quick essays that allow me to give them feedback on a regular basis. All of that builds up into a final assignment, which is a term paper in which they get to utilize all the various skills that they've learned throughout the course and their shorter assessments and activities. And in the end, they're going to meet the learning objective of being able to write a research paper and the higher learning objective of just being able to communicate really well. Great. Thank you for sharing. All right. So you've gotten to know your audience. You have designed a course that works for your students. What's the fourth thing, fourth to do when teaching online? Well, number four is paving the path to learning with practice and targeted feedback. So one of the great advantages of an online environment for learning is the ability to create a number of assignments and also have an online system automatically grade them. And so what, knowing what we know from the test-retest effect from psychology, the more practice that students get, the better they'll get at assessments. And so in an online environment, building in opportunities for students to have um, what I would call stress-free practice, I think, is essential. The second part of this item is providing targeted feedback for the assignments that they're engaging in and practicing. And the reason this is important is that really the key learning moments in a course are often when students make mistakes. When they do make these mistakes, the learning really comes after they understand why they've made this mistake so that they can remediate their knowledge and really put down the correct memory trace. And so the practice with targeted feedback will make students feel like you are actually teaching them, and this will make them feel good about their progress on the course, and they will see that practice leads to learning, and that's an excellent teaching moment for an online course. All right, so that is our fourth thing to do when teaching online. What is the fifth and final thing to do when teaching online? Number five is being aware of your expert blind spot and questioning your assumptions. So one of the things that most instructors aren't aware of is just how much knowledge is necessary to really be an expert in the field that they're in. Despite having gone through the process and becoming experts themselves, it's really easy to ignore all the fundamental pieces of knowledge that are actually needed to get there. 
And so this is something that many instructors have when they're teaching content in which they're experts. And the way to really combat that is to question your assumptions. And so this, this is something that instructors can do online by using data analytics. And this is something I engage in on a regular basis. And so I'll often look at particular items and activities and assessments and see how well my students are doing on those items. A lot of the times, the things that they're struggling with are things that surprise me. And so this is an easy way to see my expert blind spot. It's content that seems really obvious to me, but it's, but it's proving challenging to my students. And so by questioning your assumptions and really seeing where you're an expert and your students are not, that allows you to really tailor your instruction and then supplement your online materials with things that will help your students become experts just like you. Great. Well, and just like that, five things to do when teaching online. Igor, I want to thank you for spending some time sharing your expertise with us. For everybody listening, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen, and hopefully we'll see you soon on next episode, which will be five things not to do when teaching online. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, AJ. This has been a McGraw-Hill production. Thank you for listening.